Hey everyone, welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Just a quick note before today's episode. This summer, we're completing our series of introduction videos with our final season of filming, and we still need to raise about $30,000 to cover those costs, and we would love you to help us with that. And you can do that by visiting the Spoken Gospel website and clicking on Donate. And by doing that, you can contribute to bringing books like the Book of Revelation to life. And whether that's through a one-time gift or a monthly donation, your support makes all the difference in the world. So thank you so much and enjoy today's podcast. So the first thing we need to know is like God rules. Yes. And he's inviting his son Jesus to rule mm, alongside him. Yeah. He's giving him the kingdom of the world. Yeah. And he is building a kingdom on this earth that will overtake all the empires of the world, no matter how brutal, how technologically advanced. That's the good news of the kingdom of God. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a ministry that's dedicated to speaking the gospel out of every corner of scripture. In Luke 24, Jesus told his disciples that every part of the Bible was about him. So each week, hosts David and Seth work through a passage of scripture to see how it's all about Jesus and his good news. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We are continuing in the book of Daniel with Daniel chapter 2. Seth, how are you feeling about Daniel chapter 2? Um, <laughs> confused? There, I mean, like the king? Confused like the king? Less confused than I am the further we get into Daniel. Uh, Daniel <laughs> chapter 2 is about this crazy vision the king has, Nebuchadnezzar has of this four-parted statue that's yeah. destroyed by a meteor. And how it's about the successive empires of the world coming to an end by the kingdom of God. It's kind of one of the easier chapters in Daniel to understand. Which is saying something. Which is saying something. Yeah. That's like, uh, yeah, that's like, I mean, it was the lowest bar cleared by an Olympian high jumper. Yeah. I was like, I still can't, I'm still, I still can't clear it, but. Yeah, and you'll, you'll experience <laughs> some of that with us today. Which four empires exactly? When are they well, ruling? Are they about Jesus? How? They are about Jesus. Oh, yeah, that's I know right. that that's one. Right. I know the that's answer right. to that question that's every right. time. I know. That's right. <laughs> well, okay. So uh, let's review. So uh, Israel is in exile. Their temple has been destroyed. Their best and brightest, including Daniel, have been carted off to Babylon, the autonomous empire of self-worship that is seeking to set itself up against the kingdom of God but Daniel is the pseudo-priest who has passed the test of eating the king's food. He is the new and better Adam who did not eat. And so he's been risen to a place of ascendancy and given wisdom and knowledge. And now, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? <laughs> Daniel chapter 2, Everybody get one. that? <laughs> Everybody get that? If you didn't, you should go back and listen to the first, ep the first episode. But all you really need to know is Daniel, an exiled Jew, he's up in, an up-and-coming advisor to the king. And a the king is about to have a dream he can't explain. Mm -hmm. We've already been told that all the enchanters, magicians, astrologers, sorcerers of Babylon are okay, but Daniel's and, and his friends are ten times better. Mm. So we're about to see that play out. Okay. Uh, what that what that looks like on the ground. What does it mean to be ten times more wise than an astrologer? <laughs> we're about to figure that out in this chapter. Okay. So Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. His spirit is troubled. 
And he calls all the magicians and enchanters and sorcerers and the Chaldeans be summoned to the king to tell him his dream. So let's just pause there. Okay. Why is the king inviting sorcerers and enchanters and magicians to help him? Like, I mean, which king of the world today is inviting the magicians of his world? Uh, this is an odd thing for me as a modern reader to, to get my head into. So, sure, yeah. So what's happening? Man, that's a good question. I mean, I think there is an analog. I know it's not the weird one, but there is an analog to like uh, having a cabinet or bringing in specialized mm -hmm. minds to think about certain things. Yep. Um, but yeah, our world just isn't as porous or as open to the spiritual as yes. it used to be. And so used to whenever you didn't understand something, instead of bringing in an expert in psychoanalyzing you or something right <laughs> expert psychologist yeah. Or, yeah 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 you would you would look to the mystics right yeah i mean i kind of i knew the answer before yeah, i asked it, was it just to a you good question it was just a good question but like that's right these people are the best and brightest babylon has to offer yeah. all of the scientific arts were mixed with the dark arts like if you heard of alchemy like it was this oh, like yeah. odd mix of like science experimentation but also like transmutation and mm. like witchcraft and some right. strange things but these are the best minds that babylon has to offer they mm -hmm. have the deepest spiritual and personal insight into the way the world works the way the gods work the way the stars work it makes sense for the king to invite his cabinet of wise men mm -hmm. to explain a dream that he can't have and i don't know if how common knowledge this is today but dreams we don't normally assume when I have a dream, well, the gods must be speaking to me. Oh, sure. That was a more common that's assumption. The, that's the pizza I had last night. Right, yeah. It's like it's weird. I just like, whatever. But like often, especially if you're the king, if you have a dream that disturbs you, it's communication from the gods. And Nebuchadnezzar is actually right in this case. Yeah, he is right. He is God right. God is trying to say something God to him. God is trying to say something to him. And the idea of wise men interpreting a dream, though, is not that bizarre. This is the cabinet, the top psychologist, the top alchemist, the top. Uh, these would probably be people involved in like making his like warfare, right? Like, was weapons of war, you know, like. But they're all infused with spirituality, like yes. right. So anyway, okay, so that's what's happening. Uh, but there's a weird wrinkle in his request, right? Yes, because they come in, and all the all his sorcerers are just like, "Hey, tell us what the dream is, and we'll be happy to interpret it for you." But and he's like. Uh, well, um, I don't trust you is basically what <laughs> he says. Like, I could tell you my dream and you could give me an interpretation, but I want to know that it's legit because it disturbed me that much mm -hmm. that I want you to do something unprecedented. I want you to tell me what my dream was and then interpret it. I'm not going to tell you what my dream was. Right. And they're like, this is impossible. No, no magician has been ever been asked to do this Only before. the gods would know what the dream was because only the gods gave it to you. That's so you would need God to tell you your dream. That's right. They say they say this in verse 11. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. Um, so, interesting. You're, you're, you're getting teased as to what's going to happen. Like, the god who is not with flesh, is that god going to speak? Does that god exist? Yeah. Um, so that's going to be Daniel's role in the story in a second, but I wanted to flag one other thing about just Nebuchadnezzar's relationship with his, these Chaldean counselors. Yeah. 
I kind of have a couple takes on him. One, okay. he's paranoid. Oh, sure. He's just he's a man obsessed with his own power, and he's afraid that all of his closest advisors are just manipulating him. Are manipulating him. Yeah. So well, like, if I tell you my dream, you're gonna just say whatever you want me to do. Right. To twist me to do it. So that's one way to understand yeah. it, and that's possible. The other way to understand, which I think is kind of interesting and fits with the themes within Daniel, is that Nebuchadnezzar is a cynic. He's a man of pragmatism. He's a man of war. He's a master tactician. He's conquered half mm. the world. And he's like, I don't know. I've put these magicians in my cabinet. Let's see if they're for real. Right. And mm. he's like, and he has adopted them, presumably, from all the nations that he's conquered. Right. Like, Babylon isn't necessarily his home. And so he's like, okay, guys, I don't really trust that you're the real yeah. deal. That makes more sense than him being... Uh, you know, you're, crazy. Just, you're just wanting to tell me what I want to hear. Right. If you're the real deal, you'll actually tell me my yeah. dream and its interpretation. It makes sense because of what he threatens them with. Because he says, right. if you don't give it, if you don't do this, I'll kill you. Because he's like, if you're not for real, what use are you? Exactly. So prove to me that you're the real McCoy or I'm going to kill you. And we are also told this is the second year of his reign. He's establishing his uh, power. He's becoming like his own, his yep. own empire. And he's emperor. ready to clean the house. Right. He's like, he's okay. I want to cut the fat. Prove your worth to me. Yeah. If you want to stick around here and eat my food, Let's see if you can actually right. pass the mustard. And it's also interesting to think that perhaps he's legitimately seeking God. Totally. He's had a dream he can't understand. Yep. So he's like, okay, let me ask the spirits. Let right. me ask the gods. Let me ask the God who does not dwell with man. And I want to I know it's from him, so I'm not going to tell them. That's he actually right. wants to hear from God. Which, just, just parentheses, I was just thinking how funny this is that you have a worldview in the king, right, that mm -hmm. says... That, oh, the gods speak to me through dreams. Right. Right. You have a porous enough world where the gods speak to you in your dreams. When you have a, when you have a dream, it wasn't bad pizza. It was the god was were trying to say something to me. And yet the magicians are like, yeah, but the gods don't communicate to us what you dreamed. <laughs> right. It's like this weird like yeah. faith, but faithlessness. Mm -hmm. It's like, which is like what an idol is. It's right. It's just, it's kind of pretend spirituality. Yeah. It's like, well, the gods speak. Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> it could also be a knock against Nebuchadnezzar's claims to sovereignty. How? He has universal control over the world, uh -huh. except over his closest advisors. Oh, uh, I see. And so he's trying to solidify his own power with his advisors, uh -huh. and which is actually what he does in the next chapter, in chapter three. He calls all the satraps and all the governors right. and all the officials to solidify their power, to solidify his power, to consolidate worship in himself alone. And then what happens... His advisors use that same thing to undermine Daniel and infight with his own advisors mm. and to topple one of the people he just put in charge. It's a symbol that he doesn't have his full control over his empire as he thinks. Right, which is which is the opposite point of Daniel. Yes. That is, God is in control. That's right. And when he clearly communicates the dream to Daniel, we're going to see... That God is governing his universe perfectly. That's right. Okay. That's cool. That's I right. like that. Okay. So what... So, the, the 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 magicians say what you've asked is impossible. We can't do it. Only the gods could do that. Uh, dot dot dot. Well, the king gets angry and very furious that these men are not cooperating with his plans, and says he's going to kill all the wise men of Babylon, and that includes Daniel. Okay. So he sends out Arioch, his the chief of the guards, captain of the guards, whoever he is, and Daniel. He comes to Daniel's door and says, "I'm going to kill you now." And he Daniel, we're told, responds with wisdom. Mm. and discretion, the captain of the king's guard. Um, so interesting, flagging the theme of wisdom, the necessity of wisdom. The wise men 
versus the wisdom of Daniel. Mm. Like we're like a battle of wisdom is happening, yeah. being set up. And he told Arioch, the king's captain, why, why, why are you doing this? Why are you trying to kill me so urgently? <laughs> yeah, what's, what's, what's the rush, man? And then Arioch says, well, this is happening with the other wise men. And Daniel went in and said, well, tell the king I want to meet with him and I'll tell him the interpretation. Yeah, which is crazy. So, yes. Like, you and I were both kind of caught off guard by this. Right. Like, you know, imagine Daniel chilling in his room. The guard comes in. He's like, hey, I got to kill you. And he's like, whoa, why? Why, why is this such an urgent deal? He's like, ah, there's a dream that the king had, and he wants people to just tell him what it is ex nihilo without any hint of its content. And Daniel, without asking God, without taking time to be like, let me go see if I can figure it out, he just goes, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Right. And then he goes and prays to God to get the, the interpretation. I'm just like, yeah. I. it's just that faith blew me away for a second. Or I was just like, that is i just i kind of long for that kind of faith or just yeah like that. oh yeah god god will meet me here i'm trying to think of like under threat of death mm-hmm. is there a way that jesus exhibits this type of faith mm. it's like i can go into the i i can escape death right you can put me under tr- you could i'm trying to like think of a way that daniel is jesus i'm not coming up with a good good one but yeah it's interesting i want that faith too yeah i want so that cool. faith too so yeah, he comes to him, and now Daniel has been given the opportunity to interpret the king's dream. And so, what does he do? He goes and he prays. He gathers his three friends, yeah. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but they're given their Hebrew names again. And he asks, he seeks mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. So this mm. is a really important word. The mm-hmm. king's it's a, the king's riddle, the dream, the hidden dream is called a mystery. Um, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed along with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So Daniel also understand if he can solve the, the mystery, if he can reveal the dream, he doesn't just save himself. He, had, he saves all the astrologers, mm. all the wise men of Babylon. He could bless everybody in the king's court right. if he succeeds in this matter. And then God gives him the vision. Right. And yeah, it, and it's amazing too, like, uh, does he give him the vision and then he has the hymn? Yeah. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. And then Daniel mm. blessed the God of heaven. So he falls asleep. God gives him a dream to respond to the other dream. And then what's funny, and then what's funny, or you're laughing for a different reason. I am laughing for a different reason. I'm just laughing that the work is done when he's asleep. Right. Just he like, could have prayed all night long. Yeah. And he's just like, he, God could have showed up after just sweating it out. Of course, do we know that a vision of the night means that he went to sleep? I guess we don't I guess know we that. don't that know may that. Have been, maybe that would have been a dream. Yes. A vision of the night. Oh, yeah. A vision of the night. Oh, that's a dream. Yeah. But who knows? Anyway. Dreams and visions are often synonymous yeah. or imply very similar yeah. things. Yeah. I always think dreams are when you're asleep. And visions right. are overlaid over your reality. Yeah. So, like, later, you know, he's going to say that he had this vision of a ram across the stream. Right, right. But he had people with him, and they couldn't see the ram. Oh. So, a vision is, like, laid yeah. over reality, and anybody could see it. Right. But it, it's only given to the people who... Anyway. Whether it's a dream or a vision, yeah. he sees the answer. Yes. What's funny also about this passage is it doesn't tell you the answer yet. Right. We no. don't know the dream. The narr- it's just good writing. The narrator is just postponing <laughs> what's the what's the mystery? What's the mystery? What's the mystery? What's the mystery? Yeah. And then and the mystery was revealed. What's the mystery? Instead, mm. we get a parallel theme of the universal sovereignty of God. Right. We we already know that Nebuchadnezzar claims to be the universal sovereign of Babylon. Mm-hmm. But we've seen cracks within his own administration and then Daniel sings a hymn. He blesses the name of God 
to whom belongs wisdom and power. And he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals the deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. To you, O God, my fathers, I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and might, and you've made known to me what is asked of you. You've made known to us the king's matter. So he praises God for what? His ability to reveal mysteries and his control over the affairs of kings. Mm-hmm. Those two ideas are melded yeah. in Daniel's mind. Which is, is interesting for a couple of reasons. One is because you like the mystery is revealed, but we don't know what it is. And then all of a sudden, Daniel's praising God for his universal sovereignty. And it makes you wonder as a reader, like, what was the dream? Right. What did he see that made him go, oh, God's in control of everything? Right. And we're well, going to learn, like, oh, it, the content of the dream itself does that. Yeah, I mean, he hints at it. He removes kings and sets up kings. Yes, yeah. yes. So he's, like, reflecting on the dream itself. But then beside that point is, the, and this is a theme throughout Daniel, is that God reveals what's going to happen before it happens. God reveals what's hidden when no one else can see it. Why? Because he's the one in control of it. He's the one writing the story. Right. He's the one who knows and controls the future mm-hmm. and the present and the past. And therefore, the reason he can reveal is because he knows. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, like, that's also what Daniel is yeah. praising yeah. is the fact that God is a revealer of mysteries. Because why? Because he's in control. Yeah. Nebuchadnezzar can't write his own future. No. But God can. That's right. That's why he knows the dream. That's why he knows yeah, what's God going doesn't to have bad dreams. No. You know, yeah. like he he has dreams that are always always become reality. Right. Unlike Nebuchadnezzar who cannot see into the future in that yeah. way. Yeah. Okay, so so Daniel sings this hymn and then he then he's taken into the king. That's right. Okay. So Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste. And also, think about this, Arioch has no reason to bring Daniel before the king. No. What's funny is he doesn't bring up the same um caveat that the chief of the eunuchs brought up when Daniel wanted to do a test. The, yeah. Right? He, the he chief doesn't. of the eunuchs is like, um, if this doesn't work, it's my neck. Right. Arioch is like, great, let's go. Right. And it's strange. He's like, if I bring this dreamer in to the king and he misses it, not only are all the wise men going to be killed, that was my job, but now I'm going to die too. I broke I broke protocol. Right. I, bro- I was given an order. I didn't fulfill it. I'm sticking my neck out for Daniel right. this moment. Imagine I mean, imagine being Nebuchadnezzar. Like, hey, Ariok, go kill everybody. And Ariok's like, cool, we'll do. Comes back. He's like, hey, here's one of the people that... You wait, to- hold you on. told you, me to kill. You didn't obey. Yeah, he's putting his life yeah. in Daniel's hands. Why? Why is that? Well, we're told in chapter one that he's given favor and compassion among mm. all the king's guards. I see. So there's this, so Daniel isn't just wiser. He's also, God is working behind the scenes to make him one of the most liked politicians in his mm. in, in Nebuchadnezzar's court. Like everybody is bowing to Daniel's will. Daniel yeah. wants to go see the king. Daniel gets to see the king, even when Nebuchadnezzar says, kill yeah. him. It's, right? Dude, this just sounds so much like Esther. Yes. And what's funny is Esther and Daniel are both written around the same time Israel is in exile. Mm-hmm. Some of Daniel's visions are written from Susa, the capital of Persia, yep. where Esther lives and is yep. her I mean, whole story even some of the place. kings in uh, Esther, are, are their names are in Daniel. That's right. Like Ahasuerus and things like that. That is just really, because Esther, you know, is brought before a king, 
not knowing if she's going to die when she shows up. That's right. And the only reason she's given an audience is because of the favor that God has granted her. Yep. Lucy's like, I'm like, yeah, man, they, the parallels stories. here are... Yeah, and it's what God's preserving his people in exile. Yeah. Like, even both for thrones and kings. The uh, the apostles pick up on this. They do. Don't worry about what you're going to say when you go before thrones and kings. The Holy Spirit will be with you to give you the words that you are going to say. The Holy Spirit does for us today what God did for Daniel and Esther in their own days. Mm. We can be a kingdom of people who can go before kings under the threat of death, knowing that the God who reveals mysteries will be with us. Yes. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, and isn't that, I mean, it's interesting too to think about this as um, Jesus it, before Pilate. Jesus oh, comes yeah? before Pilate and Pilate asks him to reveal a mystery. What is truth? Oh, right. Right? The ultimate riddle. The ultimate riddle. What is truth? And Jesus doesn't answer him. And he goes to his death for it. Yeah. But he knew. He he said, I am the truth. He knows the answer. And what's great, we should keep that story in mind is because as we get into this, because he says, I have a kingdom not of this world. That's right. And in a moment, there's going to be a kingdom not of the earth that mm-hmm. smashes the empires of the That's earth. That's right. We should keep that story okay. in mind. Okay, we'll come we back get, to it. We'll put we a pen in Pilate. <laughs> um, okay. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar. Okay, switches back to his... Uh, Aramaic name. Yeah, yeah, his Aramaic name, oddly. Uh, are you able to make known to me the dream I have this interpretation? Daniel said, well, none of your wise men could do it, but there is a god in heaven. Ah, who which, re- that's what the magician said was required to do right, this work. Like, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to Nebuchadnezzar what will be in latter day- days. Your mm. dreams and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. So he said he had visions. No, he said he had a dream. He said he had a dream. Yeah, but it's amazing that he's he's doing some work right here. Daniel's doing some theology for the king. He's saying, King, mm-hmm. you had a you had a dream, and you thought it was significant. Let me tell you. The one true God of the universe is the one who gave you that dream. Yeah. Nebuchadnezzar doesn't have that understanding yet. Mm-hmm. And Daniel's here to, like, clear it up. Yes. Okay. Yeah, he, like, confirms his suspicion. You're right, king. Yeah, that's you right. You did have a divine You're dream. right to be very disturbed by this dream. Right. Because the one true God of the universe gave mm-hmm. it to you. Yeah. And God is going to reveal the mystery, too. And then he also gives him some other theology. The dream doesn't come from me. The interpretation doesn't come from me. Yeah. Um, verse 30. This mystery has been revealed to me. Not because of any wisdom that I have, more than all the living here, but in order that the interpretation may be known to you, and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. Mm. Like Bel- Daniel's being very humble. He's like, I'm not wise. Mm-hmm. The only God is speaking through me to you. God wants to speak to you, Nebuchadnezzar. He gave you the dream. He wants you to have the interpretation, mm. and the interpretation has come from God through me. It's not right. because I'm. A, it's not because I'm a wise man. It's not because I have studied the stars. It's not because right. I have studied the the tea leaves. It's because God wants to speak to you. Yeah, it's really interesting. He's undercutting Nebuchadnezzar's uh, skepticism of the sorcerers. Hmm. So Nebuchadnezzar was like, are you guys legit or not? Like, do you guys have the power to do this or not? Uh, and, and Daniel comes in and he's like, no, I don't have the power. But there's a God who does. Yeah. And he's like, if you mm. looked, if you looked at it from my perspective of like, is it me who could do this? You should just kill me. Mm. But because there's a God in heaven who reveals dreams, I have yeah. the answer you're looking for, and it yeah. has nothing to do with me and everything to do with God. 
It's really interesting. It's like a scary thing to say too, if you think about it. But anyway, it is really scary. Yeah. And I'm trying to set up. So we're about to get the dream. Yeah. We're about to. Dana's going to reveal the dream and then interpret the dream. Finally, after yeah, like thirty verses. Thirty verses in, it's like, what's the stinking dream? But, he had? but think about what's on the line now. We know that Nebuchadnezzar, God is speaking to Nebuchadnezzar. Mm-hmm. Nebuchadnezzar knows that. God is speaking to him. Yeah. He knows that his own court might have some power dynamics at play that he's trying to solve. Nebuchadnezzar wants to know. I think he's disturbed by the dream because what's the dream about? God sets up and tears down kingdoms. Like Totally. So like, is my empire on the line? Nebuchadnezzar's right. worried. Mm-hmm. And then Daniel comes in saying, there's a God above the gods mm-hmm. who has written history and he has declared what's going to happen to you. Like, right? Like, I mean, yeah, it, He's not being the uh, manipulative sugar coater that uh, Nebuchadnezzar maybe feared his sorcerers were. Right. Because he's going to be like, you're going to die. Right. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, he's. That it, is bold, man. Yeah. It's like, imagine if you were in a president's cabinet and, you know, you got a word from the Lord that he was going to get assassinated or something. <laughs> you know, it's just like, so uh, awkward conversation. You, there's a kingdom you're coming. Die. China is coming. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's okay, so that's, so that's all the tension that's there. Yeah. So you, O king, saw a great image, and the image was of exceeding brightness, and it stood before you, and it was a frightening image, and it was a, a statue. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, and its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. And then as you looked at it, a stone cut by no human hand struck the image on the feet of iron and clay, broke them into pieces. Then the iron and the clay, the bronze and the silver and the gold, and all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away. Not a trace would be found. Mm. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the earth. So like, what a dream. What a dream. I mean, I think I would be like, that It was different. That was a weird dream. I, yeah. It was not about some random... Like I would literally dream about my day, <laughs> like, an alternate version of my day. Maybe I flew. Maybe like you know, like yeah. I don't doesn't get very grand right. in my dreams. Maybe it's terrifying. Like yes, one of my children died. But like right. that's like the yeah. worst that happens. This is crazy. Yes. Uh, okay, walk me through then the 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 the, the statue. Okay. What's going on with the, the so he, he sees this vision of a statue. Yeah. What what is it? And it's made of a bunch of different materials. What's going on there? So I don't know how much I can get into that without interpreting the dream as well. Okay. But a couple things that you can keep in your mind as you consider this. Yeah, we maybe are... paint the picture for me. What is the statue? Yeah, so just imagine a giant statue. Okay. And the head is made of gold, and then it transitions into silver, and the body and arms are made of silver, and then it transitions into iron. It has legs of iron. Uh, and has feet that transition into iron and clay. So a couple of things you can notice there. You have from precious metals to really common metals. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the things those types of metals are used for become, are, are not really clear, but if you have this idea in your mind about kings being overthrown and setting up kings, and Daniel's going to interpret it in a second as kingdom following kingdom following kingdom, one of the, the things of empire is that you use materials like bronze mm-hmm. and iron to make your weapons of warfare. Right. So you have some empires made of ornate materials. You don't make a gold sword. You don't make a gold sword. But then as you go down in history, the, they become more common, but also the 
more malleable. Mm-hmm. Bronze is actually an alloy. Like it's a mix of two different metals. Right. And you can use it for a whole bunch of stuff. It's, we call it the Bronze Age, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, so there's also this implication that maybe these empires are becoming more brutal. There's more a brutality, more militaristic perhaps. And then you come to this stone cut yeah. by no human hand that strikes the statue on its feet. Uh, yeah. So lots to talk about here. <laughs> lots to talk about with the stone. So we have this, we know it's an, an, a descending order of magnitude statue perhaps, representing kingdoms hit by a stone mm-hmm. and that's uncut by human hands. Why should that trigger us alarm bells throughout the biblical narrative? Yeah, so there's this really special time in Israel's history where they had a stone that was not to be cut. Uh, no tool, mm-hmm. no human hand or tool was supposed to be used to cut this stone. And this was right after the Ten Commandments was given in Exodus chapter 20. Mm-hmm. Which, God, by the way, mm-hmm. were written on tablets of stone that, cut by no human that hand. God cut. God cut with his own hand. Right. Cut stones out of the mountain to put his law on. And then... Yes. And then you have this uncut stone um, that was to be the altar on which the very first God-commanded sacrifices were to be made. You know, you kind of have to not count, like, Abraham's almost sacrifice of Isaac. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, this was, like, ritualistic, mm-hmm. you know, um, religious... Liturgical. Liturgical thing. sacrifices where yeah. incense and offerings could be made. And so he's saying that the it's the first temple. It's the first pseudo-temple of God. Mm-hmm. Let's just call it what it is. Because you have mm-hmm. the altar right in front of the presence of God on the mountain yep. on Mount Sinai. So it's the yep. first temple. Yeah, the, the temple and the law of God. So yes. like the image that you sh- should so like if you have a biblical mind mm-hmm. interpreting this image. Yep. And some some people think that like one of the ways I thought about Daniel was that the king had this impenetrable dream and then God just downloaded all the information. Mm. What if Daniel just knows the biblical story really well? Right. And he's interpreting the king's dream in light of the biblical story. Right. And, and he, all God, the, God showed him the dream. Right. And Daniel was like, I get it. I get it. I know mm-hmm. what's going to happen yeah. because I've studied Mount, what happened on Mount Sinai. Totally. I know what happens with uncut stones. Yes. Uh, and so, so I think, yeah, the image is of the temple of God. The law of God. The law of God. Which, well, let, let's be like, then, because like, the law, the tablets lived in the temple. Yep. The uncut stones lived within the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. And so it's and then the Ark of the Covenant was the prelude of this uncut stone. Mm-hmm. And then it all got turned into gold and all these other yeah, yeah. metals and things um, to become the temple of God. And so the temple of God, which is the seat of God's power, God's kingdom, God's mm-hmm. empire, God's throne yep. is going to come and destroy all the other thrones of other kingdoms. What's interesting is it strikes the image, the statue, in its feet. Yes. Which sounds a whole lot like Genesis 3.15 when we're promised that one of Eve's descendants will crush the head of the serpent. And we're told that he will bruise his heel, Mm -hmm. but he will crush his head. So it's it's an inversion of the image. The empires of the world, their heel is being crushed, but... The head of it's it's an inversion of the image, but also calls back to the image. It's like right. Oh, totally. It's using yes. all the same language. Yes. Uh, there's a double entendre here. Okay. That's very interesting. So you only get this in the Hebrew, but it is very interesting. The word cut. Yeah. And the word hand are both very interesting here. Yeah. So the word cut is the same Hebrew word for sorcerers. Really? Or astrologers. The astrologers, same Hebrew word. What? And and the word hand. Is the same word as ability. So think about this. 
And I looked, and there was a stone divined by no human strength. There was mm. a stone that no human could understand. Hmm. It's like it's a double entendre. No sorcerer could understand no, exactly, this stone. Exactly That's what's happening really here. Interesting. And he's saying like no no sorcerer can understand, no astrologer can understand what's happening, but I can, and it's because I can see the double entendre. That's really funny. Which is going to happen again in chapter 5. Yeah. Anyway, that's but, really funny. Yeah. And so, but it's this the temple of God is going to come and crush the other kings of the world. And then that stone will be laid and then it will grow into a mountain. And I remember it, that will fill the whole earth. Yes. And remember where Babylon came from. Babylon is the spiritual successor of the Tower of Babel, mm -hmm. another mountain that tried to fill the earth on an empire of self-rule. Yeah. So the empire of Babel, the Tower of Babylon, will be knocked down and replaced by a true mountain where God, of God's law. Perhaps mm. like these are the images you should be thinking. Yeah, and God's in, presence, God's presence, where the worship of God will go up in the temple. We tried to not interpret the dream before we got. To we the just other, did. We just did. But yeah. like that's all on the line here. Yeah. And I mean, so we we're halfway there. Yeah. Should we? Well, keep... I mean, yeah, we we should just keep going. But like, I just want to. We're all on the topic of the mountain. Yeah, the mountain that fills the whole earth. Um, you know, we 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 said this earlier in the in the other podcast on Daniel. But what's on the line in Daniel? is the place of the worship of God has been destroyed. The, mm -hmm. It starts off, the the, the kingdom starts of, off where yeah. the, the center of the kingdom, which is the house of God, the temple, has been destroyed and its vessels have been carted off. So when is worship of God going to come back? When is the place where we get salvation going where to God come back? God rules again. Where, where, yeah, when the place where God yeah, rules again. You said it, the, the Ark of the Covenant is God's throne. It's, it's his like, throne. It's his throne room. That's right. When is the throne room coming back? Exactly right. And here we get the answer is like, oh, it's going to come back and it's going to destroy all of their kingdoms and it's going to fill the whole earth. And it's like, I mean, just let me jump the gun and just say, in Revelation, when the kingdom of God does come and f it fills the whole earth as waters cover the sea, and where's the temple? It's gone. It is Jesus himself. And the his light fills the whole earth. And it's like, I mean, he's seeing the king in a sense, yeah. saw a vision of Jesus. He did. Another way that Jesus is the stone mm. is he's the cornerstone. Right. He, he refers to himself as the cornerstone that's a rock of offense and a stumbling block to others. Mm -hmm. This stone is an impenetrable mystery to the astrologers of Daniel's day. They yeah. don't know what it means. That's right. They Stum stumble over it. Stumble over it. They're about to be killed. Right. It's, it's, so this is exactly what happened. That uh, I think it's what First Corinthians talks about this, right? Uh, uh, I don't know what you're about to say. Anyway, that it talks about like the, sto the stumbling stone of offense that the Greeks think it's stupid. That's right. And the Jews are offended by it. That's and right. And it's like, oh, it's the, he's the impenetrable stone that no one can understand. A lot of people think Paul, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 1, is riffing on this story. Oh, when he says oh I stumbled that, into it. I yes, stumbled, you stumbled over the into rock it. into something. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Where are the king's astrologers? <laughs> Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Come on. For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not go know God through wisdom. All the wise men could not know God's kingdom no man through their this. own dark arts. Um, but it pleased that God, through the folly of what we preach, to save those who believe. Hmm. Jews demand sign, Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block right. to Jews and folly to the Gentiles. And it is, it, is, it is folly, it's foolishness to think that a stone could come and knock down a giant statue. Right. That's, what a silly story. Right. What a, a silly story to think that a man dying on a cross could break the power of death for all humankind. 
that it would grow into this yeah. thing. Yeah, what a silly story. Earth. Yeah, because God's shaming the wisdom of the astrologers. <laughs> yeah. Like Jesus is then, let's just say this, Jesus is the rock that people can't understand. Yeah. Right? Yeah. People look at the cross, even today, and they're like, it's just, it's either a silly story or it's stupid or it's offensive mm-hmm. or it never happened or, you know, whatever. Right. And it's impenetrable. They don't get it. Like, hmm. it just, it doesn't make sense. And and like, that's what Daniel's running up against here. Yeah. Um, and he's like, yeah, yeah. But it's the foolishness. And let me tell you its interpretation. It's salvation for you. Right. You know, in the next chapter, Nebuchadnezzar has this giant statue mm-hmm. that he worships. I wonder if it was clear to him that the irony yeah i was like oh we'll get there but i wonder if it was clear to him that the statue represented himself and world empires but it wasn't clear what the stone meant mm. and like all the astrologers didn't want to say the thing and i don't i don't know yeah i get i get right. it he's like oh well, i get it okay i'm the head and other kings will come after me but i'll be dead so i don't really care what's that stone what's that stone that's coming way after me i don't yeah. I, what's that mystery i don't understand it totally and then none of the astrologers knew what this st- this stone this they didn't altar know the stone of the, of the, gr- of yeah, the, the altar stone <laughs> yeah. is not big and it takes down the whole statue and right. then becomes a mountain who knows what that means yeah Int- i don't I, that's, that's it a does more speculation. it does remind me too of uh i don't feel like it's a stretch but it just reminds me too of like the stone that then fills the whole earth is like oh it's like the kingdom of god what mm-hmm. is it i mean we're talking about the kingdom of god here yeah the kingdom of god is a mustard seed that's exactly right it's a tiny little thing that then soon grows and turns into a bush and all the birds can come. Well, that, I think that's exactly right because Nebuchadnezzar has another vision oh, right, where he's a giant tree and all the birds of the field and all the birds and all uh, the sky and the animals of the field come and find rest in the shade. Like, yeah, I think that's right. It is like an image Ooh. of a different kingdom than Babylon ruling the world. So we interpreted a whole bunch without even getting to Daniel's version of the interpretation. Right. But here's here's what Daniel says. And we can get into some more of the... Because, yeah, I'll just start. This was the dream. You, O king of kings. Daniel's talking to Nebuchadnezzar and says, You, O king, the <laughs> king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory. That's normally the way I talk about God. Mm-hmm. Into whose hand has been given whatever, wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, all the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all. You are the head of gold. It makes him sound like a new Adam. Oh, big time. He's a, the head of a new creation. Bab- he's the he's the god of the world. He made the hanging gardens. He made the hanging gardens. That's right. Nebuchadnezzar <laughs> did make the hanging gardens. But another kingdom inferior to you shall rise up, and then a third kingdom of bronze will rule over all the earth. And then a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. So remember I talked about the preciousness of metals yes. descending. This seems to be an image of that brutality. Iron, swords are made from iron. Mm. Like weapons, like armor is made from iron. Like iron was an innovate, a technological innovation. Like bricks were an innovation in Babel, mm. uh, the Tower of Babel. Bricks were a technological informa- innovation that allowed them yeah. to become the proud nation of the world. Now iron is that same thing, a, lo- a technological advance allowing them to conquer the world. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And then you saw feet and toes. But um, you saw it was mixed with soft clay. And then they were partly strong and partly brittle. And as you saw, the iron mixed with the soft clay, it was crushed down. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. So he's like, okay, king, here's the vision. 
you're seeing a succession of world empires mm -hmm. increasingly brutal increasingly technologically advanced but no matter how technologically advanced they come they're going to be overthrown by a stone mm. an uncut stone nothing fancy about a, <laughs> a stone but it will topple the giant of the statue uh, which is, uh, it could even be a callback to the David and Goliath story. He picks up a stone out of the stream right. and topples the empire of the Philistines, the right. strongest man It's It is really interesting to think about that. Um, so, that, and that's, that's, that's the dream. Successive, a, a succession, a succession of world empires yes. <laughs> that is crushed by an unrefined stone. Mm. And that's the kingdom of the God of heaven. We covered most of that ground already yeah. in our right. interpretation. Yeah. We should mention that what everybody else asks about in this moment. Mm. Who is who? Who is who? Which <laughs> empire is which empire? Daniel tells King Nebuchadnezzar he's the head of gold, mm -hmm. right? Yep. But now, before we answer the question, we should pause. Okay. And we should talk about um, this thing that you've, you've you, this kind of rubric of interpreting biblical prophecy that you've talked about. Yes. Where it's like, what's a good way for Christians today to yeah. interpret biblical prophecy like yeah. this. We're on the edge of something really interesting here. Yeah. We have a story that's also now supposed to intersect with human history. Mm -hmm. Daniel is prophesying in the year 600 BC, according to many scholars, hundreds of years before the empires after mm -hmm. Babylon fall, before Darius takes the throne, before the other kings mentioned here. Like Presumably, Daniel knows nothing about what's happening beyond his current moment because he's a human. Right. And God's downloading information to him beyond himself, right? Yep. Um, so who are they? Right. Which nation? Which empire? Should we, And then the more you study this, the more confusing it gets because there's a whole bunch of theories out there of which king is which. And as we've talked about multiple times before, Daniel is structured like a chiasm. Mm -hmm. They all have partnering chapters throughout the rest of the book. Daniel 2 is partnered with Daniel 7. We have a statue that represents four kingdoms. And then Daniel chapter 7, you have four new kingdoms represented by beasts like these animalistic beasts and some of them even have metal like infused mm -hmm. into the imagery so like you have these two images of world kingdoms talking to each other and apparently they precede the end of time or do they or, or, do or they? yeah and it's like those questions aren't wrong right but they need to be um put under more important questions right and so um where, where did you get this this rubric from yes what scholar was that do you remember I don't remember the scholar's name, but it's from the Brazos Theological Commentary Series, which is Great. one of my favorite. His yeah. name might be Sumner, perhaps. Okay, I, I so forget. Brazos Theological Commentary Series on Daniel. Yeah, it's an Esther Daniel combined okay, volume. Okay, and he, and he says the first question we should ask is not, well, who's the kingdom? He actually mm -hmm. says that's the fourth one we should ask. Yeah, the first as Christians uh -huh. living after the reign, like the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, yep. the first thing we should be asking is, how are these prophecies about Jesus? Which yep. is kind of the work we've already been doing. He's it's the kind of the of whole God. work we do here at Spoken Gospel. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, but the second question is also the other part of the work we do at Spoken mm -hmm. Gospel, not about just Jesus' first coming, but about his second coming. Mm -hmm. How is this prophecy primarily this apocalyptic prophecy about the end of the world empires? Right. What, what we what do we do with that? Well, first we see Jesus. Second, we see Jesus' final return. So here, let's pause and do yeah. that. So. First, we, we've said we see Jesus in that he is the rock that through his death mm -hmm. crushes the kingdoms of this world. That's right. Okay. 
Uh, and he then, sets up an empire within the empire, underneath the empire, right. in the middle of the empire's yes. rule. Yes. But then in his second coming, we're going to see in Revelation 5 mm-hmm. that um, John pulls on all this same language from chapter 2 of Daniel in order to talk about the second coming of Jesus. And he talks about uh, how Jesus is going to set up an eternal kingdom on the earth. Yep. And he's going to topple over every other empire actually and forever until the earth, the yeah. new earth, becomes a place where the new heavens dwell with him as the kingdom forever. Yeah, in Jesus, Jesus sets up a kingdom inside of Babylon. Right. In Jesus' second coming, he becomes the only kingdom and destroys Babylon. That's right. And then the third way that we're supposed to understand apocalyptic literature like this mm. is as the general course of human history. Yes, and I think this is one is so interesting because as soon as we try to jump to the, okay, who are the four successive kingdoms? we end up missing this crucial part of understanding scripture, Mm -hmm. which is, yes, Daniel is talking about four specific kingdoms, Mm -hmm. but he's also talking about the pattern of of kingdoms. That kingdoms tend to go in this way. They tend to succeed one another, supplant one another, and get increasingly more brutal in their technological advances. It's like the atomic bomb is worse than the iron sword. Right. The statue kept getting built. Yes. Right? Yes. And it now has feet made of splitting atoms. You know? Yeah, like, right. And it's like, we need to understand how to see biblical prophecy as a look at how the world moves in cycles and patterns. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. we already set this up in chapter one and in our introduction because Babylon doesn't begin in the book of Daniel. <laughs> right. It begins in Genesis chapter 11, yes. where a technological advance leads them to build the tower of Babylon. The bricks. The, with the bricks. Yeah to worship themselves. And this was one nation with one language that was split and then split up. Right. Now we have a new Babylon with more technology. With more technology and even overcoming the curse of the first Babylon by having all these different nations enveloped into one empire. Right. They've now figured out how to talk to all the different languages caused by Babel. And then after um Nebuchadnezzar more nations come with less precious metals, alloyed metals, mm. more brittle metals. And think about like you it's like the feet made of splitting atoms with the increasing power of our technological advances, the more brittle and unstable the world becomes. That's right. Now like, we could we could fall into nuclear holocaust at the drop of a hat. Right. So what's so the first way we understand it, what's how is it about Jesus? Yeah. First coming. How's yes. it about Jesus's second coming? Mm. How is this about the empires of the world? They tend to increase in brutality and supplant one another. And increase in brutality, power, and brittleness. Yes. Like uh, like instability. That's right, yeah. And then the fourth way we understand... Is this about some historical moment? Right. The times when the kingdom of God or the empire of the world or the apocalypse seems to break through mm. in, real, in real time. Yeah. Oh, that's really going to happen right there. Yes. Yes. And so he's like, this should be the way that Christians think about it. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, undergirding that assumption, that way of reading apocalyptic literature is that author's view of the book of Daniel, where Daniel 7, the ascension of a son of man, seated at the right hand of the Ancient of Days, ruling over all things. Mm. When God rules over all things, once God rules over all things, how does that change our interpretation of history? How does that change the way that we look at world events? Which is part of what Daniel's inviting us to do. Daniel's just not in, just inviting us to like speculate on the, the moral ex- exemplariness of Daniel and right. pagan Babylon. It's like, who is the God that controls history? Who is the God that controls the world? And if God has 
put himself above all things and elected a son of man to sit next to him, how does that change our perception of the past and what we believe about the future? Hmm. The, the event of Jesus reinterprets for us That's right. how we view the events of the world. That's why those are the first two things that we must think about as Christians. Mm-hmm. And then, and it's also just wisdom because the most speculative thing is left for last. Right. That's because right. here are the options. So now let's just get into the options. So we've talked yeah. about how Jesus first coming, second coming, how this is an example of all the empires of the world. There's multiple different ways to understand the empires that Daniel's describing mm. in Nebuchadnezzar's vision. Okay. We're given one. We got a freebie. Babylon. Ba- Babylon is the gold head. Is the gold head. We got that one right. We got that one right. <laughs> Many people think the Median and the Persian empires are the second mm-hmm. empire. And that would make sense because the next empire that comes and d- unplants Babylon is the Medes and the Persians. Yes. Within the text itself. Right. And, and it's kind of like as a torso has two arms, yep, the Medes yeah. and the Persians are two empires. Yep. And then even in some of the later prophecies in Daniel 8 and Daniel 9, uh-huh. it mentions the Medes and the Persians. So Daniel's interpreting itself. Okay. Okay. Great. Helpful. Uh, then a lot of people think the legs of iron is the Grecian empire. Right. Um, again, technologically advanced, larger in scope. Antiochus, Antiochus Epiphanes was yes. Greek, yes. yes, and he is a version of the abomination of desolation, which we'll talk about later. Okay. But if you like, so like, he's yep. a moment in history where the worst parts of the apocalypse break mm. through into history. And then, who is the fourth empire? Yeah, who's the most powerful and the most brittle empire? A lot of people think it's Rome. Why? Because that's when Jesus is born. He's right. born into the Roman Empire, and he begins this kingdom that swells up and takes over the world. Yes. It makes total sense. Yes. And from some of the clues, and we also have mentions of Greece later on in here, so mm-hmm. it makes sense that the fourth empire would be the one that, that came after it. Greece, which is Rome. Which is Rome. It yeah. makes sense. Totally. And there's even more details to make you think it's Rome, but that's one option. Mm-hmm. The other option is to think that the book of Daniel ends with Greece and doesn't include Rome. Right. So you have Babylon, the Persian Empire, mm-hmm. then the Median Empire, right. then the Grecian Empire. Yes. And that's kind of backed up by the way chapters 10 and 11 talk to each other. Uh, okay. There's this army with the north and the south, and there's this contemptible ruler who rises up, who causes a very famous phrase, the abomination that causes desolation. Yeah. And Antiochus Epiphanes is famous for desecrating the temple by sacrificing a pig on it and importing the statue of Zeus and putting it in the temple. So intense. If you read the book of Second Person Second Maccabees, it mm-hmm. retells that story. If you've yes. ever celebrated Hanukkah, it's part of that narrative. It's one of the defining moments in Jewish history. Yes. So it makes sense that right. it could be that moment that yes. moment. Right. But at the end of the day at the end of the day, number three in the list helps us with the ambiguity of number four. That's right. Because the point is the vision, in a sense, doesn't end with the clay feet. Like, no. The statue keeps going. Yeah. It cycles again. Like, maybe maybe we're meant to see Greece as the clay feet and then cycle back up to the head of Rome right. for the gold again. Because it it lasted centuries after Jesus. Yeah. You know, anyway, it right. doesn't, it, I don't want to say it doesn't matter. Of course it matters. But what matters more is how history tends to cycle how yes. what Jesus is going to do when he comes back and what Jesus did the first time he came. Those right. matter more. Those matter more. Yes. And the last one, is it Greece, is it Rome, is more speculative. It has to be more speculative. Mm-hmm. It's okay that it's speculative. Yes. It doesn't change the fact 
that the Son of Man sits on a throne above all kings. Yes. And this is also why I think it's helpful to read the chiasm in relationship to one another. Mm. Daniel 2 talks to Daniel 7, and Daniel 7 seems to be even more apocalyptic. There are monsters that rule the earth. There's a horn with ten, uh, eyes on it. It's crazy. Yeah. They come out of the sea, and yeah. then there's this ancient of days surrounded by thousands of holy ones, and somebody comes riding on the clouds. It is freaky. <laughs> But what is the first truth that's communicating before all the other truths that it might be communicating? That God sits enthroned mm, yeah. and he is inviting someone to rule alongside of him. Daniel itself is telling us to have this order in our theology right. of Daniel. Yeah. So the first thing we need to know is like God rules. Yes. And he's inviting his son Jesus to mm, rule alongside him. Yeah. He's giving him the kingdom of the world. Yeah. And he is building a kingdom on this earth that will overtake all of the empires of the world, no matter how brutal, how technologically advanced. That's the good news of the kingdom of God. It's so good. Uh, yeah, I just want to like read for us as we close down this episode, because there's one more thing we need to do after this in the story. At yeah, least. Daniel's promoted. Uh, yes. But uh, as we as we talk about Jesus being enthroned and that being the, the main point that he's going to set up this mountain that covers the whole earth, um, there's all these allusions to Daniel 2 in Revelation 5 whenever they're looking for the person who can open the scroll of Daniel mm -hmm. <laughs> and finish reading it, <laughs> finish right, the story. Right, right. Yeah. And we'll get more to those details later. But for now, uh, Revelation 5, 11 and on, then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Well, that seems weird. That seems like the inscrutable rock. It's like, why is the a slain lamb worthy? And, and, but, but listen, here, he takes back the title that Daniel used to describe Nebuchadnezzar. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and mm. wisdom and might and honor and blessing. And I heard every creature. Now, this is, again, back to, back how, to, back to how Nebuchadnezzar is described. And by I heard Daniel. How Daniel describes Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. Um, and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. So mm -hmm. all the creatures of the earth, the dominion, mm -hmm. right? That's how Daniel describes yeah. Nebuchadnezzar. And they are saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Amen. Mm -hmm. It's like the good news of this is that the world empire that's going to be set up is going to be ruled by the slain lamb, Jesus. Uh, and he will ultimately be the one who gets all glory and might yeah. and wealth and power and wisdom. It will not fall to the mm. kings of Babylon, but Jesus will ultimately claim it for himself because he was the slain sacrifice for us. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the final thing here. We got to wrap it up. Yeah. So Daniel. So Daniel gives that interpretation to King Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. And Nebuchadnezzar sees that it's self-evidently true. Apparently. Right. Like he. Like he doesn't question it. Yeah. Which is I, I can't like why does he accept it so quickly? Yeah, it seems like such a startling. Which interpretation. is why I'm wondering if like he it's a riddle. Oh, it's you know it's like oh once you understand what's going on, it's like what you said about the um, cut by no human hand could mm -hmm. also be divined by no human wisdom. Right, and it's a it's a jab at the fact that none of the king's advisors can right. do it. It's like oh obviously that's what it that means. has to be it because of what's happening there, right now. I, there's no other 
ordering of the facts that would make sense. This has to be the interpretation. Right. And I wonder, even within Babylonian mythology, there's room for the cycle of world empires sure. to end by the final the final empire of the gods. Like, right. That, that might be self-evidently true. Yep. And he accepts it. And he accepts it. Yeah. Regardless. And then he, King Nebuchadnezzar, pays homage to Daniel, he which is- falls on his face. And offers an- The golden head goes to the ground. Right. And it's like, well, one, that's weird. Shouldn't he be bowing to God? Who Daniel very clearly set up was like, this is not because of me. Yes. I am just delivering a message that's coming from God, bow to the God of the universe. But he bows to Daniel and commands that an offering and an incense be offered up to him. Yes. And the king says, truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and the revealer of the mysteries because you've done this. Right. And so this is a big deal because if you remember in the introduction episode and in our chapter one episode, we talked about Daniel being the hope for the restored worship of the temple Mm -hmm. or at the temple where the incense and the offerings have been suspended. Mm -hmm. No more incense, no more offerings, no more worship of God. It's been destroyed. Yep. But there's this, this priest apparently in Daniel, maybe who is without blemish and who doesn't defile himself. He's being this new priest. And this is confirmed that he is this, this image of a priest of God because the King of Babylon burns offerings and incense to Daniel mm-hmm. in homage of him. Like it's preluding. A it's a hint. It's a hint that God is setting up a new kingdom and a new temple in Daniel. Yes. And that even in exile, God has not abandoned his people. God is still providing a way for the true worship of right. God to go up from the Gentiles, right. from within the Gentiles. And I don't think we're meant to be offended by Nebuchadnezzar offering incense and offerings to Daniel. I think that'd be easy to do. Mm-hmm. To be like, why is he worshiping Daniel? Okay, obviously that would be wrong. Right. But I think the image here, because he, he his lips talk about God. God. Yeah. yeah. God being the Lord of Lords and the God of God and the revealer of mysteries. So his praise is going to God alone. But the reason why I don't think we should be overly offended by the worship and the incense and the offerings happening before Daniel is because Daniel, the book, is going to set up that there is a son of man, a yes. human being, mm-hmm. who is going to be ascended above all the thrones and he is going to be the one to whom offerings and incense are burned yeah this is daniel 7 yes daniel 7 a son of man someone that's descendant of man the other side of the chiasm here is going to rise up take a throne and then all the nations languages and peoples of the world will worship him all the gentiles all the people that are not jewish and here we get a picture of that a son of man Daniel being worshipped by the nations being worshipped by the nations as he's ascended above the astrologers and then in a second here he's going to make him ruler over the whole province of Babylon yeah he's ascending to his throne yeah and so like that's part and like there's two things I want to pull out here as we close like one is um, the worship of uh, Nebuchadnezzar here and um, the praise of the people in chapter 7 or the Mm -hmm. angels or whomever the, the, the holy ones um, we're told throughout scripture that our prayer and our praise are like incense before God. And so like that is what we as the church do now. We as the church are offering burning incense to Jesus when we sing to him, when we pray before him, when we commune with him because he set up a new temple and it's us and it's him and he lives in us and like our communion with him through the Holy Spirit 
is like burning incense in the temple of God thousands of years ago. <laughs> like it's that intimate and that real. Um, and so that's like something that Daniel, I think, is inviting us into. Yeah. The other thing is this important theme of ascendancy, right? That when someone obeys the will of God and trusts the revealer of mysteries, they are ascended to God's, to, you know, the person who thought he was God, yeah. Nebuchadnezzar, his right hand. But ultimately, Jesus will be the one who obeys the will of God. And God had a mystery that somehow through a cross, he'd save the world. And that all nations, not just the Jews, would be invited into it. That was God's dream. That was God's mystery right. from day one. The Apostle Paul talks about the mystery of the Gentiles and the Jews worshiping the one true God as being the mystery of the gospel. Yeah. That's God, the yeah. mystery. God Ephesians had a dream three. since the beginning of the world. And that was that and all was nations. revealed yeah. <laughs> until Jesus, the rock, yeah. the uncut rock, undoes the, the empires of the world. And so Jesus obeyed that mystery, revealed that dream here on earth, went to Jews, went to Gentiles, died for them. And then what happened? Exactly what happened to Daniel. He was ascended to the right hand of the one true God and given a throne mm -hmm. above every throne. Mm -hmm. So let me ask a question. Okay. I, I get all the typology. Okay. I yes. get all, man, we talked about empires and kingdoms and my goodness, yeah. all the things. Um, I'm still a Jew. I'm still in exile. Ah, yes. Under the thumb of Nebuchadnezzar. Sure, Daniel has been elevated above the magicians. Mm -hmm. He's the chief ma magician in, in Nebuchadnezzar's court. What's that doing for me right now? Mm -hmm. Like, sure, there's a representative doing powerful things in the courts, but like, why is that good news for me when I'm still in a slum in a back corner of Babylon? Mm -hmm. You know, like, yeah, definitely. what's the hope for the beleaguered people of God Yeah, as they see someone disconnected from them and for us 2000 years into the past yes what's the hope for people like that the hope is that there is hope hmm. daniel did not get to see this rock come <laughs> this uncut stone come right but he trusted that it would abraham when he was called out of the land of babylon to go live in the promised land didn't get to see its fulfillment David, when he wanted to build God's temple, didn't get to see it built. <laughs> like This is the constant story of the Bible that uh, trust in the God who will bring to pass his promises, despite what it looks like, is what keeps us going. Um, the Bible in, in the New Testament will even say it's by this hope that we are saved. Like Our salvation is tied up in our ability to trust that God is going to do what he said he was going to do, even if we don't live to see it. And so the hope for the beleaguered Jew in exile when Daniel is being risen to ascendancy is that God is being true, like proved as true and faithful and honest to his word. That God is the revealer of mysteries who does control the future. Therefore, even though I die, I know one day I will live in the new kingdom. So the hope is that there is a future hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that Babylon won't last forever. That's right. And the kingdom I belong to will. That's right. I might not live to see the day Babylon falls, but when I die, I join a different kingdom. That's right. I do know Babylon will fall, mm -hmm. and my kingdom will last forever. Yeah. So good. All right. Well, guys, that is the best we can do with Daniel 2. 
I think it is. <laughs> and uh, I'm excited to jump into Daniel 3 when the king's dream becomes a reality. Yeah. Come on, Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> you just have a dream about a statue being bowled over, and then he builds the freaking statue <laughs> in chapter 3. I feel like he might have been a little disingenuous in his yeah, prayer definitely. at the end of Daniel 2. So, uh, and that's the fiery furnace. That's the fiery so furnace. So come back for the fiery furnace and one like the son of man dwelling in the fire. Wow. So. Okay. Well, thank you guys for joining us, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel creates short films, devotionals, and podcasts like this one. Everything we make is free because of generous supporters like you. To see our resources, visit SpokenGospel.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. See you next week.